He says there's nothing really wrong with me. I'm just missing my man. So, honey, please, come on home as soon as you can. Welcome back. This is The Bone Zone on 94.3-1047-K News. I'm Dr. Raj Sinha from Star Orthopedics. We've been talking about knee arthritis and knee pain. I've sort of talked about, you know, what causes the most common things and what are the most common treatments. I want to talk a little bit about where I think things are going. So I've had the uh, the privilege and the pleasure to be able to design uh, partial knee replacements and total knee replacements um, for the different companies over the years. I uh, was the first surgeon here in the desert to do robotic surgery of any type back in 2007. I introduced the custom knee replacements and the custom partial knee replacements. Um, and I'm certainly a believer in that technology. If you think about total knee replacements, um, historically, the so-called off-the-shelf knee replacements come in one shape, meaning each company has a particular shape for their particular implant. Uh, they come in different sizes, and they come in about anywhere from 8 to 10 sizes. Generally, some companies have expanded it up to about 20 different sizes. And then the surgeon has to pick what the best size is for the patient. And the good news is most of the time we get it right. But about 15% of the time, not surprisingly, we're sort of in between sizes. And then the surgeon has to say, well, do I go with the bigger size or do I go with the smaller size? And there's pros and cons to both. If you go with the bigger size you tend to have what's called a little bit of overhang. So the metal hangs off the edges of the bone and catches in the soft tissue around the knee. If you have underhang, then you can have instability of the joint, meaning you don't have the problem where the metal is catching in the soft tissue, but the joint itself is not stable enough. And so when you're active on it, it, it kind of gives out on you. So there's pros and cons to both of those things. And so so about 10, 12 years ago, we came up with the idea of, well, why why can't we make an implant specifically for a patient? And, and, and the good news was manufacturing technology had gotten to the point where we could do it. It takes about six weeks to make the device. But what we do is we do a CAT scan, build a three-dimensional model of your leg, and then make an implant that recreates your normal shape of your bone as well as being a perfect fit for the, for the shape of your bone, for the size of your bone, rather. The other nice thing about it is we, we virtually correct your deformity. So if you have a crooked leg, we virtually correct it using the CAT scan algorithm, and then we can create the cutting tool so that the surgeon can execute that surgical plan to make the bone cuts very accurately to recreate uh, your normal alignment of your leg. And so there's been a bunch of studies now on that uh, on that particular product, and it shows that uh, between 98 and 100% of the time, you get it within two degrees of accuracy. That's the, that's the thickness of two human hairs. So that, that's a pretty high percentage rate of accuracy. No other system uh, can get it that accurate. Even the robotic system can only get it to act to a 90% accuracy level. That, that's what they're reporting on their own websites. Uh, so, so that's pretty good. And then the other thing is in terms of the fit and fill, of all the different implant systems that are out there, uh, this gives you the greatest degree of fidelity to fitting the bone. And not surprisingly, because of those two things, you have less bleeding after the surgery, a little quicker recovery, better range of motion, faster. And actually, from England, they, you know, they have a registry where they follow all these patients, every single patient. They've shown that this implant system has the lowest complication rate uh, at four years after they've been put in. So of all the different implants that are out there, this is the one that seems to, to work the best. 
why do I mention all this? Well, obviously I'm proud of it because I helped design it. But the reason I mention it is because I still think we can do better. The problem with that implant system is it's still metal and plastic. And um, as far as I know, there's no bulk pieces of metal or plastic that nature put in your body. So we're still trying to do something that is really against nature. And so anything we can do to help, you know, mimic what nature already did so well, I think is beneficial. And that's where I think um, surgery is going. The goal in my mind is to do lesser surgery and by doing lesser surgery, set the stage to do more biological repair. Now, it's a little bit futuristic. I mean, we're not there at this moment to where we want to be. I've talked about this in the past where in the laboratory we can do amazing things. We can grow fingers and toes and meniscus and cartilage and all kinds of great stuff because in the laboratory we don't have any restrictions on how we treat the cells and how we manipulate the cells. We don't have the ability to do that in people just yet, and we're getting there. There's other really cool technology too called uh, CRISPR gene uh, replacement technology where you can actually – do a molecular genetic splicing of your genes. I mean, it's really high-level stuff where you can take a person who has a disease process and you can introduce the splicing and you can, over time, get rid of all the bad genes and eliminate the disease process. So we're actually seeing uh, situations where diabetes, for example, is being cured through this molecular technology. It's really cool stuff. Um, so I think that in orthopedics and in arthritis and in cartilage repair and regeneration, some of those things are going to come down the pike. We're also seeing brand new materials that are being used, you know, these sort of nanocomposites that allow us to get down to the cell and subcellular level to be able to create structures that mimic more biological um, structures. They're, they're so-called biomimetic. That's the word for it. And because they're biomimetic, the cells recognize them as self as opposed to recognizing them as abnormal, and therefore they can then uh, get to work and recreate tissue for you. One of the things that I was working on um, and some of the stuff that I did for NASA was that we actually were able to take human cells and grow them in a zero-gravity environment. What was interesting about zero-gravity environment is that if you think about what's done in the laboratory – most of the time, we take cells and we put them on a Petri dish, which is flat. Well, again, as far as I know, there aren't too many, there aren't many flat surfaces in your body. So when the cells go into a flat Petri dish, their behavior changes. By growing them in a three-dimensional, sorry, by growing them in a zero-gravity environment, they have to attach to something. So we have to give them a little structure to attach. So what we were able to do is we were able to find that by doing that, we can actually get cells of a particular type like cartilage or bone to form bone in zero gravity environment. And then by taking that bone, what I would do is I would actually take that bone and I would grow it with the metal and the cells that were, you know, in that grown bone. So we, we called it, um, uh, we called them osteospheroids. That was the name of them. So the, the cells that were in the osteospheroids would actually attach to the metals and the structure that the osteospheroids had provided, the three-dimensional structure, would get incorporated into forming new bone on the metal. So one of the goals was to create a composite metal osteospheroid graft for people who had suffered major traumas or had had cancers and had to have part of their you know, bones removed from the cancers, things like that. Um, 
And so that work is still ongoing. The problem, of course, is that, you know, with the FDA and, and the rules and regulations, it's a very slow process. That's not a political comment. That's just, you know, from a safety standpoint, you got to make sure that everything works. And so the process is quite slow. But with this CRISPR technology and things like that, I think that we're going to see lesser surgery that are de that's designed to fix some of the mechanical problems that need to be fixed so that we can then introduce biological solutions. So, for example, I envision that in the future, uh, relatively near future, actually, uh, I'll see a patient with osteoarthritis. They'll have, you know, one compartment's completely gone. The other two compartments are starting to go. And so in the conventional wisdom of today, I would say, well, you know, they're starting to go. We should just do a total knee replacement that saves you the chance of needing future surgery. But my hope is that I can do a partial knee replacement, fix the one compartment that's really badly damaged, and then using biological techniques, I can either slow or reverse the ongoing degradation of the other two compartments, thereby not only preventing them to have a total knee replacement now, but hopefully staving it off forever. That's sort of the goal. We just don't know where the technology is going to go, but it's, it's progressing so rapidly that, you know, when I talked about that exact approach 10 years ago, People looked at me like lobsters were crawling out of my head. But now all of a sudden people are going, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, hey, guys, remember I talked about that 10 years ago back in my lab. And uh, so it, it's, it's actually getting pretty cool. So I think we're going to have some you know, approaches like that. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look at you know, people's individual situations, what their needs are, what their pathology is, what's exactly wrong with their joint, and how can I introduce a method to do less surgery so that I can keep as much of what nature had intended to be there, uh, keep that functioning. That, that's the approach that we're taking. And I, and I always use the, uh, you know, the caveat that I wouldn't do something on a patient that I wouldn't do on my own mother. And, oh, by the way, I do love my mother, so uh, it's, not, it's not like I'm experimenting on her either. Uh, and, and that's a safety reason. you got to make sure that what we're doing is safe and effective. And then the last step is to make sure it's durable and has wide applicability. So, that, so that's my approach. Thank you so much for letting me philosophize and taking up some of your Saturday afternoon here. I hope you're having a great Saturday staying out of the heat. You've been listening to The Bone Zone on 94.3, 104.7 K News. You can check Star Orthopedics out at uh, www.starortho.com. You can call us at 915-1515-915-1515 for appointments. I'm back next week. I'm going to be joined in studio by Dr. Gary Annunziata from Desert Gastroenterology. Have a great weekend, everybody. The preceding program was a paid presentation from Dr. Raj Sinha. The information and opinions expressed herein are solely those of Dr. Raj Sinha and are not the opinions of K News, Alpha Media, management, or employees.